0: Welcome to the AKC podcast, an audio resource for the King's community following the Associateship of King's College programme. The AKC is an inclusive, research-led programme of lectures, which explore diverse religious and cultural perspectives. For more information, visit kcl.ac.uk forward slash AKC. Lecture resources and further reading links for this lecture are available on the AKC Keats area. Given the theme of this lecture series, Inside London, Art and the Sacred, I'm going to talk to you today about a project that took place in Leytonstone. It's a short hop on the central line, probably about 25 minutes from here, and it was the most recent project to date that Art and Christianity um, initiated and saw through. Um, Just to say quickly, Art and Christianity does other things other than... um, uh, curating projects with artists uh, one of which is producing this quarterly journal and there are some copies on the table there if you'd like to grab one on your way out you're most welcome to take one um, I think you'll find in here at least one other of the uh, series lecturers uh, Ayla lapine is, is giving one of these talks I think in a, in a few weeks time um, she's actually interviewed um, the artist who's produced the new Sculpture for the fourth plinth, which you might have seen unveiled uh, in the last couple of weeks. And um, I would hope that at some point that might get a mention in this series, you never know, but it's a, it's a fascinating read. So, yeah, art and Christianity um, works alongside artists and churches. Very often, churches are seeking to. Uh, reach out to their wider communities um, and so want to perhaps commission an artist to produce uh, an artwork for them or simply to work with them in that process. Artists also, I think, have a a fascination for church buildings and, and places of worship in general. And so they're often also wanting to work with a church. And I suppose our role in the sense is to kind of broker that relationship to perhaps sort of translate a little bit between uh, art world speak and church world speak because they're two very different languages. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's quite a privilege, I must say, actually uh, often to uh, to work with these artists and with the, the clergy and the community in the church. This first image is from a project we, we did in Newcastle in 2017. Uh, and it's just a, a little example of um, of a commission where uh, the artist Katia Kameli uh, was asked to produce an artwork for here, where there are, there are six windows like this. They were plain Victorian glass, and she worked with the migrant communities in Newcastle. Um, this one represents the Eritrean community. Um, so she developed these designs for these windows, which um, in some way reflected their kind of material culture, their, you know, uh, flags their designs whatever meant the most to them and as I say develop these designs which are simply um vinyl applications onto the window so it doesn't exist any longer but it was uh, it was up for nine months I think um in St John the Baptist in Newcastle um Oh, sorry, just to say, that's our, our website, and if you're interested in looking at any of the other projects we've done and some of the others that I might mention, uh, you can find them on the Art in Churches page there. So, the, the Newcastle project was 2017. In, um, in 2018, uh, it was announced that Waltham Forest, uh, the borough which is um, where, where Leytonstone is, Uh, was going to be the first borough of culture in London. Now, uh, Waltham Forest encompasses quite a a large area. It's Walthamstow, Leytonstone, Chingford and Himes Park. Um, I myself, I live in Leytonstone, and so I have a little knowledge of the area, and I go to church there, and I know a handful of the churches in the Anglican deanery, uh, which encompasses exactly the same geographic area. Uh, They announced this in 2019, wishing to see projects take place in the year of 2019. Uh, So very, very short lead time uh, for a project to happen and very highly competitive funding pot. But um, we put our heads together. We we put in a grant application to um, a funder called London Over the Border. And they came up with um, a little amount of money to allow us to commission four artists three of whom had a local connection to the borough, either living there or working there, and one lead artist, in this case Emma Smith, um, who also sort of mentored the other three artists. Each artist chose a church that they wanted to work with. We took them on a little tour, on bikes and on buses and things, saw some of the churches. They each chose a church that they wanted to work with and put together a proposal for us uh, to select from. Uh, so, the, um, the lead artist that uh, we worked with chose this enormous church in um, Walthamstow. It's called St Michael and All, a- All Angels, and um, at that church, we uh, installed her, um, it's a sound piece, it's called a Euphonia, and it was originally made for the Bluecoat Gallery in, in uh, Liverpool. Um, it's a sound piece that kind of interacts with whatever it hears. So at, at the front of the um, image there, you can see a microphone. You can go up to that microphone, speak through it, and then what is played back through multiple speakers within the church that um, just on the right there, you can see one in white, almost slightly anthropomorphic with its sort of legs sitting on a pew. Um, but back at you comes uh, a pre recorded. Uh, music soundscape that as I say is affected by the intonation of your voice and she's, she's very fascinated in, um, in, in conversation and how that happens and, and particularly in the musicality of conversation anyway so on a warm June evening um, the art loving audiences of, of London came out in their, in their forces and experienced this, um, this artwork in this extraordinary church normally quite a quiet and under-appreciated church, but um, that night was something different. And I think in doing so, they they probably experienced something of the uh, texture, if you like, of the sacred. So then wanting to commission, uh, and this is massively too ambitious, really, uh, as, as, as one of my failures um, in my working life, <laughs> um, but wanting to commission a second batch of artists, we began conversations with um, an artist duo called Fourthland. Their work um, I'd seen in a gallery in Hoxton called Pier. Uh, it's, a, it's an excellent small gallery if you're ever on Hoxton Street, and um, it shows uh, very high-level contemporary art, but it's also a small gallery that genuinely knows its place in its community and works with its community um, it, through various outreach programs. I had no idea at the time where Fourth Land were based, but when we came to have our first meeting with, uh, with the duo, they're called Ishik and Eva, it transpired that Ishik also lives in the borough, just 10 minutes from Leightonstone. And um, so 10 minutes from St. Andrew's Leightonstone, which is the church that they had chosen to work with. Eva at the time was living in Spain, and this is Eva in Spain, uh, standing on top of a mountain. Um, but I'll explain a bit more about that in a minute. The theme of fellowship, which you saw from that, uh, that flyer from the previous project, had been developed as part of the London Borough of Culture's programme. comes from William Morris, um, who was born in Walthamstow. His words, fellowship is life, uh, graced the 1920s Assembly Hall in, in the middle of Walthamstow, and that very nicely fitted with um, Forthland's modus operandi, if you like. I'll I'll just read now from um, their own website. This is a, a small excerpt about what they do. Through creating artworks across mediums of sculpture, installation, performance, film, social and ceremonial practice, the work becomes a vessel for transforming exchange, producing new myths between land and people as an antidote to disillusionment and modes of separation held in modern society. I think what struck me the most about f- seeing Fullfland's work um, when I first saw it in, in Pier uh, was its almost anachronistic regard for natural materials and craft, particularly as one um, one of the works they well a very long um, project uh, of engagement over five years they had been working with a with an urban community on a housing estate in Hoxton. So if you, can, if you think, you know, I think normally you'd sort of associate artists that work with sort of, um, you know, wood and crafts and uh, natural materials being a rural endeavor, if you like. But this, um, they, they do all of this right in the middle of the city. They're unusual in an art world in which new technology and highly manufactured art prevails. And I think they've genuinely been working as ecologically-minded artists since they began together over ten years ago. They also seem a little bit sort of out of time in the manner in which they embrace what some might term a spiritual or mystical attentiveness. Again, to quote their own website, the objects they make become their artistic tools. Often made over a long period of time, with repetitive and durational labour, they are imbued with a sacred weight that evokes qualities of care and universal knowledge, that of the domestic and the cosmic. So after um, an initial first and unsuccessful attempt to apply for Arts Council funding to work with these artists, um, you can do there are grants available for up to £15,000 from the Arts Council for this kind of project, and you can apply fairly quickly. We applied once, didn't get it, but they tend to say apply again, and you might get it. So we, we did. Um, but in that second application, we decided to broaden the scope of the project so they weren't just working with St. Andrew's Church, but they were working with um, the nearby Hindu temple. So this is St. Andrew's on the left, and on the bottom right is the Sri Nathshi Sanatan Hindu Temple. It's on Whips Cross Road, and it's literally less than a quarter of a mile from the church. On paper, the bringing together of these two faiths might have been slightly fraught with difficulties. But the two places of worship already enjoy good relationships that they've built up over a number of years, and they were both very open to making something happen with Fourthland. Fellowship was again at the centre of this partnership, and evidenced by events like an annual picnic that the, the two places have together each year. Um, in Epping Forest, which is the sort of, if you like, the third player in this. um, Epping Forest stretches right into uh, the very edge of Leytonstone, and you can see it there on that map. It's a vast forest. I don't know if any of you have ever been out there, but it stretches for over 300 square kilometres to the north and east of London. Uh, But as as I say, this is the innermost part of it, um, so the most urban part of it, if you like. In April 2019, uh, the London Borough of Waltham Forest declared a climate emergency, as did a number of other boroughs, I believe. And so our second application to the Arts Council also rested on the bringing together of two faith communities to come together in creative workshops culminating in a performance which might take place in the woodland on a beautiful September evening. Both elements of the project would focus on the significance of the natural world in terms of faith and fellowship. In the first week of March, 2020, we received the good news that the Arts Council application was successful. And by the second week in March, the money was in the bank. And in the third week of March, 2020, I think you all know what happened. I think it's a date sort of firmly imprinted on our minds, the COVID covid pandemic broke and we were in lockdown so of course the question uh, came up of, as to whether this project could really go ahead given that so much of it rested on bringing together community being together sharing it, there was a huge question mark uh, but we consulted with everybody involved uh, the artists felt that they could probably still make something happen. Uh, They weren't quite sure what, but um, that it was worth giving it a go and seeing what happened. So by May 2020, a number of Zoom sessions were up and running. Uh, This one is a screenshot from our meetings with some of the ladies from the temple. Their long-term friendships formed predominantly through their faithful attendance at the temple meant that their group easily gelled and the technology didn't phase them either. Sessions led by Ishik and Ava, who are on the screens there, top, well, top and middle row, um, usually focused on a particular theme. One, for example, looked at the use of natural motifs of um, flowers or, or plants that appear in their traditional garments. Another was on pilgrimage, and it gave rise to some captivating storytelling about pilgrimages made by these women at various times in their lives. Meantime, members of the congregation at St Andrews seemed slightly less eager to join the conversation, but Ishik was able to connect with them uh, during the summer when it was safe to do so outside or within their gardens. One of the community there, um, Lois on the left here, this is her and her home. Uh, It's probably, you can recognize it, wall-to-wall William Morris. So the wallpaper, the, <laughs> the curtains, everything. And she, uh, she even makes her own dresses out of William Morris um, materials. On the, on the right is another engagement that took place uh, with, uh, obviously, ladies from the temple. They, um, they wished to, to hold one of their ritual dances in the forest. And uh, uh, we took some photographs of them there. In another meeting, Ishik spent time with two very elderly nuns who live in Waldemstow, incredibly energetic and enthusiastic and encouraging about the work that we were doing. Each of these encounters, of course, became a reminder of how our connectedness had been interrupted by the pandemic, but also of our reliance on the natural world, be it in the park, garden, or the woodlands of Epping Forest. A reliance on the natural world for solace, for exercise and fresh air. So in time, out of the threads of the stories that were shared, significantly, mostly by older women, the artists began to develop a story, or you might call it actually an allegory, I think it's probably a better word, of a figure whom they called the Groundmother, a figure whose beneficence could summon up all that the earth provides, and yet someone whose earthliness made her very much human, resourceful, and invested in us all. Fortham's practice gradually and very much intuitively coalesced around the proposal to create a groundmother sculpture, a wearable cloak made from fragments of material that were provided by members of both worshiping communities. And often um, they would bring these um, pieces of fabric along with a little note which might tell you uh, you know, who it was in memory of or with a prayer or something like that. They were asked to do this, and, and many, many people did from both communities. The cloak sculpture would also be partnered by another piece uh, called Earth Scripture, and it was sewn with imagery that evolved out of the stories and worn by Eva in that first slide that you saw when she was standing on the mountain. This is also... Um, a close-up of, of that piece. You can see the, the sewing on it there. And that's an image of Eva holding it um, folded up. So Eva was still, still in Spain and she was stuck there because of the travel restrictions. So um, this was a way in which she could be part of the project. She was always on the Zoom sessions with, with people, but um, she was involved in making this half of the project uh, so earth sculpture was literally uh, parceled up just as you see it there and sent to Leighton Stone um, I think in early 2021. In the original proposal, Forthland described a performance which might take place as a public event in Epping Forest. However, it soon became clear that public events were not going to be possible in autumn 2020. So as an alternative, the artist began working on a film which provoked great excitement in some and probably absolute terror for others. So women of the group offered what they were most comfortable with. Some wrote poetry, some offered to dance, some said they would just be willing to perform part of the ritual. And I'm sorry, I skipped past um, these photographs which are of one of the, um, the Hindu group, obviously. Um, she offered to perform a puja in her garden, and it was photographed again. And then, the bottom right slide is from uh, is a still from the film where she's she's doing something slightly different, but it's an echo of the traditional ceremony that she performed in the garden. A couple of men also got involved. Um, Father Paul Kennington, who's the vicar of St Andrews and somebody who gave us very invaluable and honest feedback all the way through, um, but very enthusiastic um, about the project. Um, He and uh, one of the church wardens, Rosemary, enacted parts of the Eucharist for camera. So you just get a sense of that, that there. And these were, these were shot together with details from the church. So at the top, that's a, a, a detail of the monstrance. St. Andrews is quite a traditional high Anglo-Catholic church, and monstrances are normally found in, just in Catholic churches, but ours is, is used a couple of times a year. Um, uh, bells also featured quite strongly, and the thurible, which is what you um, use for incense in a church. There was also Malcolm. Malcolm's the organist at uh, at St Andrews. And he chose to um, play... He has an organ in his own home, uh, and he made a recording of Hulse planets um, transcribed for organ. And then a part of that, I think the section from the Jupiter um, movement, appears in the film as part of the soundtrack. So the next few images are all taken from the filming Uh, which happened um, over one day in early December. So bear that in mind when you think uh, we've got one of our ladies from the uh, temple here emerging from what are known as the hollow ponds, (laughs) a very, very unappealing uh, body of water in leg stone. But she insisted on getting in up to her thighs um, in order to begin her dance in the water and then she emerged and danced on this um, yellow piece of fabric there for camera. Um, on the left there, you can see Lois. Uh, Lois was the lady with the William Morris house. That's Lois wearing the grandmother cloak. Um, there she is again in the forest. Uh, there's Rosemary at the top. She's the church warden pouring from... Uh, a vessel, and Rani also white material flowing out of a vessel. As I say, the bell featured quite a lot, and drumming. So I'm not I'm not going to show you any parts of the film. It's a twenty minute long film, but I hope I hope this does give you an impression an impression sorry of the quality of the work and of the hugely generous way in which the women offered their expressions of faith through these rituals and through their own creativity. So that took place in December 2020, ready for an exhibition in January, but January 2021 was uh, another lockdown. So we fast forward to May, uh, a date when uh, all the museums and galleries were able to open again, and, um, and an exhibition that we uh, hosted in both places of worship. Um, we took the decision to, to use both. I think, I think doing so in the Hindu temple might have been the first, uh, to my knowledge anyway, the first time any contemporary artist has, has exhibited um, artwork in a Hindu temple. It's not the first time in a church, That's quite a, that is quite a, uh, a common thing to find, but I think it was extremely rare to find um, that work in, in, the, in the temple. So, it, uh, the, the offering, if you like, has now morphed into this dual-site exhibition at the Church and the Temple, and also a sound piece that people could download from our website, which they could listen to as they walked between the two buildings uh, through the forest. Um, the sound piece told the story of the grandmother, a story written by the artists and spoken by the artists, um, and, if you like, giving another dimension to this whole, whole narrative. The grandmother, as you can see there, was um, strung from a beam in a side chapel of the church. Uh, this, this sort of strip of cloth that you can see hanging down there on the right was what the film was projected onto during the hours of exhibition, uh, running, running on a loop. Um, and then on the right you see a larger piece of cloth which we used for some events, which I'll, I'll speak about a little bit in, the, in, in a minute, um, so that the film could be seen in a larger format. Uh, Here's Ishik talking with the mayor, who came to the opening, and some of the um, people from the temple there too. And here's the installation in the temple. So this was in uh, really in the foyer of the temple, um, a sort of side area that was usually used for uh, spare chairs and tables and accumulated bits of rubbish. Um, But it transformed into (coughs) this rather beautiful space. And if you can. if you can imagine this, so this is the piece that Ava was wearing on the mountain, her head sticking through the uh, the spot there where you can see. Um, here's a better better image where the light is and where the water is, this is where her head was. So it's now hanging as a as a sculpture. Uh, the installation as a whole included photographs. Uh, you can just see one up there at the back on the right. Um, again, stills from the filming. Uh, and various sort of props, um, the sort of burnished burnished plate of, of brass on the floor. The water was um, water that was taken from both the River Ganges. I mean, I'm not quite sure how it got there, but somebody had obviously sent a bottle, um, uh, mixed together with water from the River Lee, which is the nearest main river um, to Leytonstone. Um, I'm also showing a picture there of um, one of the, the areas for worship in the temple. It's, it's a smaller area, but it's, it's always uh, like this. Um, there's a much larger space as well, which is also um, holds all of the statuary, the, uh, the, the props, and scene setting that um, two priests who are, who are employed there have the role of changing every day. Um, so I, I, I knew nothing about this when I um, started out on this project But it was a fascinating encounter. Um, As we've said, most of the participants in the project were women. But once we had gone into the temple to bring the work uh, in, if you like, to them, the priests suddenly got very much involved. And it, it kind of became clear that this was something that they were quite comfortable with because every day they are essentially sort of curating the, the dress of the statues, the jewelry, the as I say, all of the decoration. It, it it's quite a phenomenal thing. It literally changes very significantly every day. Um, and so they were they were suddenly very involved and made suggestions about how this installation could, uh, you know, be uh, be augmented. Um, one of which was uh, to add some greenery, and there you can just see. Um, on the right-hand top corner, uh, laying down some leaves, which is another sort of ritual offering um, in the Hindu faith. We had an opening um, at which um, many members of the well, dignitaries, as you saw, but also of, of local faith groups came. Um, the chap there who's laying a leaf is, um, is actually a Jew, and he's, uh, but he's head of the Walden Forest Faith Forum. And this is actually my last slide, but I, d- I wanted to tell you about the um, legacy, I suppose, if you like, um, or a sort of run-on or spin-off. Um, so I mentioned this larger screen that was was set up. Um, when, when Father Paul, the vicar at St Andrew's, saw the film, he was really quite bowled over by it and um, pretty much insisted that we have some... Uh, candlelit evening screenings of the film in St Andrews uh, during the duration of the exhibition. So these happened in, I think, June June and July. Uh, so at nine o'clock, because it doesn't get dark till nine o'clock, um, and they were literally by candlelight. Um, we invited anybody and everybody, members of the community, to come. And Ishik did this extraordinary thing of... Um, Working with again mostly the ladies from the temple but a handful from the church too uh, to choreograph a live performance now this was probably what might have happened in the woods when we had that original uh, proposal um, but but it was it was well it was very moving and it was very um, poignant in in many ways and I think gave the participants quite um, quite a strong sense of of confidence in themselves, in their own creativity. You know, some of them were reading their own poetry, uh, dancing again, um, or simply just holding holding a light, holding uh, a prop or, you know, whatever it was. But as I say, beautifully choreographed um, by Ishik, but not in a sort of, not in a scripted way, but it, just in a very um, respectful and um, intuitive way. So they, I mean, it, uh, they, weren't, uh, <laughs> they weren't well attended to start with, but I think word got round, and by the, by the last one um, there were quite a lot of people there. And um, they were also repeated, uh, I think the exhibition finished in July, middle of July, uh, but in Leytonstone we have something called Leytonstone Loves Film, so another of our uh, Sons of Leytonstone, if you like, is, is Alfred Hitchcock. Uh, so the Barbican's outreach team put together a, a film festival uh, once a year. I mean, it's, it, I think it's happened twice before the pandemic. So it's now in its third or fourth iteration. Uh, but so in, in September of 2021, they asked us if we would restage the film screenings together with these performances. Uh, so that happened and we also um, we commissioned Rosie Parker, who's a, a writer and a curator, um, to write a short essay about the piece, which she read aloud at one of the events, and Ishik gave guided walks through the forest um, with the sound piece. Um, the very last slide I want to speak to is, is this one here, which um, is Ishik with the grandmother sculpture on her bike. Um, this is right at the end when uh, the grandmother had to be taken away. She actually stayed in place until I think about just before Christmas um, that year. Uh, but as you can see, she, she disassembled quite neatly onto this eight freight, which um, it, it would um, would now go down very well with the Arts Council because they now insist on asking you what your carbon footprint is when you do a project. So. Um, this would uh, hopefully tick that box, I think. Um, so just to end, uh, I, I want to sort of suggest that uh, Fultham's conception of how all of this could work together with these sort of changing parameters of lockdown, non-lockdown, uh, huge difficulties, really, but they worked through it all with integrity and flexibility. Ishik a very practical person, and her um, her creative energy just always sort of kept us moving through things. Um, and it was her, I think, her commitment to to the people that she met and their commitment back. So this reciprocal relationship between an artist and a community is a very unusual one, but I think it's one that's very special. And I mean, there are lots of other projects like this that I'm sure you could look at, but. Um, for this particular place in London, at this particular time, there was uh, quite, a, quite a strong dynamic, I think, um, happening in the work. And perhaps just also say that what, wasn't, what was created wasn't perhaps sacred in any formal or didactic sense of the word, but it did certainly produce these moments of, uh, a, of a kind of resonance with a universal sense of belonging to the earth and of an expressive connection to it and our fellow beings. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the AKC podcast. If you have enjoyed this lecture, please click subscribe in your podcast app to receive future episodes. AKC, at the heart of King's thinking.